I'm Ben Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much. Maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Ben Easter, here with my co-host, Clayton Olson. What's up, Olson? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I always Uh, look forward to these these once a month shindigs that we do on the podcast and uh, thinking about topics leading up and uh, just connecting, man. It's fun. Yeah, me too. I really enjoy these conversations a lot. It's uh, This is really meaningful, hopefully, for all of our listeners. Uh, well, I know it is because we, we hear back from them, but also uh, it, I just like I get a lot of meaning out of it. So today we're going to be talking about some of the cause of uh, some of the, the major things that I hear about in coaching. You probably hear about in your coaching too, but this is like fear of failure, perfectionism, people-pleasing, frustration, uh, basically all suffering states, I think, root back in what to what the topic that we're going to talk about today. That might be a bold claim, but uh, I think that we can back it up. So today we're going to be talking about kind of like, how, how would you say it? Detachment from outcomes? Yeah, practicing non-attachment, letting go, surrendering, detaching. Yeah, not from a place of uh, resignation, right? Or mm. giving up. Or being in a or state of tolerating, right? But how can we actually increase the probability of what we want happening through letting go and trusting and allowing? Mm, love it, love it. Yeah, my uh, one of my names for this concept is uh, is radical acceptance, and we'll talk about. I think there's some some slight colorations that are a little bit different in the two two ideas, but um, so we'll get into it. So first, let's talk about you know, kind of like what happens if we don't have this skill or that we're not employing this strategy in the world? Yeah. Well, I'll throw out a couple things that I notice in myself as well as what I notice in my clients. When we're really attached to an outcome, we get tunnel vision. And as we get tunnel vision on something, because we are in a state of needing it to happen, we can end up missing the periphery. And oftentimes our greatest resourcefulness to make something happen comes from being able to be flexible, spontaneous, and grab hold of those resources that might be in our periphery. When we get tunnel vision, we don't see any of that, right? So our actual resourcefulness goes down. Yeah. We lose flexibility. We become rigid in our thinking. We might become rigid in the path. Uh, We start to think that we know the how that something's going to occur. And if we start to deviate Mm -hmm. from that how, it induces more fear and yeah, it has us ultimately having a brittle state of being uh, in the creation of that thing that we want. Um, and then I've got yeah, a couple totally, more yeah. too, but what do you think about those? 
Yeah, I was I was going to say even to add on to that, like that um, sort of fragile state. I think that can lead to this desire to control things, to control mm-hmm. outcomes, and to control yes. situations, so that we can kind of protect ourselves from the negative outcomes that we're not wanting to experience. And look, I mean, I, I think give the devil his due. Like none of us want to experience negative outcomes in a perfect world. We wouldn't experience any negative okay. outcomes. Maybe. I, I don't know. I, I could probably argue that, but I think most people would say it'd be nice if we could just have all the, all the highs and none of the lows, but I think some of what, <laughs> exactly. It would be exactly. Yeah. So like I said, we could argue it, but well, no, I, I think most people would say I'd love for my life to just be highs. You can have, you, you can have the lows so that I have something to compare it to. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that some of like, again, like a fear of failure shows up here where we're like afraid to take action. If mm-hmm. we're too attached to an outcome, we can start to kind of protect ourselves from the quote unquote negative outcomes or whatever mm-hmm. by protecting ourselves from action, essentially by, you know, waiting to get that thing so perfect that we, you know, we can mitigate all risks of failure. And then that winds up slowing us down and, and preventing us from action and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think what comes up here and you say that too is oftentimes when we're attached to an outcome, what we're also really attached to, if not more importantly, something that is a little bit closer to us is we're attached to a certain identity or way of being perceived by the world or way that we perceive ourselves. And if we don't Mm -hmm. make that thing happen and we don't get what we want, we don't create it on a certain timeline or it looks different than we expected, then there's a, a threat to our identity. Maybe we end up crashing into some type of accusation that we've got living in our minds about ourselves. Like, you know, I'm sloppy, I'm incompetent, I'm a failure, I'm inadequate. And to when we're attached to not looking that way, then those things actually hold us hostage and limit our capacity to really execute in, in the path that we're headed. And, and show up as our authentic selves because we won't show it to people in case there's something unacceptable about it or whatever the situation is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, the, like the Buddha said that this is the, that attachment is the cause of all suffering. So I think that Mm. like, that's why, like why Buddhism is such a powerful religion, why like it it got worldwide popularity is because it kind of boils all problems down to this one problem. You're either craving something that you don't have and you're attached Mm. to that, or you're, you're averse, you're avoiding something that you do have or that you don't want to have. And you're attached to that. And Mm. the Buddha says all life is suffering because of that attachment, because we're attached to either the things that we want or the things that we don't want. Yes. And, uh, and so I think that's why this is such a multifaceted topic, this idea of like detaching or um, accepting whatever, whichever way you want to look at it. Yeah, totally. I think what comes up for me hearing that too is, and I'm wondering if this might be in the, in the heads of the people that are listening is, well, you know, does this mean that um, I sit around and I meditate and I should just kind of let go of my desires to create the money that I want, the relationship that I want, the business that I want? Like, how do I actually go out and pursue and create those things if, you know, I'm just supposed to detach from them happening or not? And I think people can get hung up there, right? It's like, how, like, don't, don't I have to care? Don't I have to care about this thing in order to make it happen? And, and yeah. I just think in there, I want to I'll point out, and I'd love to hear what you think about this, is I think that oftentimes people marry caring for something with being attached to it. Yeah. Like if I detach from it, then it means I don't care. I don't care about it happening. 
Exactly. And that's honestly, that's why you hear a lot of people when I like, I'll bring this topic of radical acceptance up and I, and I hear people say, yeah, but if I accept things as they are, then, you know, I'm not doing my part to change the world or, you know, a lot of revolutionaries will want to say something about that, which I, I love, totally respect. I'm on, I'm on board. And I think that there is a, there is a world that we can create for ourselves where we are both caring about something and not attached to the outcome. Mm. We're, where we're both giving our all and trying our damnedest yeah. and not making it mean something about ourselves if we don't accomplish the thing at the same time. Yeah. Right. Not taking it personally, in other words, is another way to say that. Yeah. And maybe like uh, letting go of the white knuckling that happens on the journey then. Right. I know that mm. when I'm attached to something occurring, I'm not really enjoying the process. It's like the, the outer part of my brain starts to dry out and I start to go into fight or flight. Right. Like I get deeper and deeper into my brainstem and my nervous system is more in like war with like making that thing happen, like at all costs. And so it's just not an enjoyable experience. I, I think, you know, this is how I've burned myself out in the past. And this is how I think other people that I've worked with have burned themselves out is because they're so attached to something happening. It's like, man, this is exhausting. And it's like, look, is it, is the pursuit or the, the pursuit to create that thing actually what's exhausting or is it how you're being on that journey? That's exhausting. Yeah, exactly. I think that's such a beautiful way of putting it. One of the ways that I kind of look at this, I, you know, I love this, the, this metaphor or this analogy of like a video game that life is kind of in some ways a video game. It's like, it, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I think in some ways you could actually believe that we're in a simulation, and I, which I think is a useful thought in a lot of contexts. But I mean, even if you don't, even if you just say it's like a metaphor, okay, in some ways it's a really useful metaphor to think of life as a game. Because there's something about the challenge of a game that, look, the game wouldn't exist. It, it would not be fun to play a game if there wasn't some sort of obstacle. Like, take something even as simple as war, like one of the simplest games that exists, right? You're like, oh, you have half a deck of cards, I have half a deck of cards. And then we've got this, like, suspense, this tension of, like, flipping over a card. And we don't know what's going to happen. If you know you're always going to win, that game gets boring really fast, mm. right? If you knew that you had all of the high cards in your hand and they had all the low cards in their hand, right? That game gets really boring really fast. So there's something really beautiful about, like, having a challenge that is in your way to try to accomplish some goal. Mm -hmm. And I think thinking about life this way is really, really useful. It's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. This is, this is how I can hold that dynamic tension where I can both want something and want the world to be other than it is right now and love and accept things exactly as they are and not hold it against my, uh, my joy in the world. If things don't go the way that I want them to go. Right. That's an awesome concept. How's that land with you? Really good, man. Yeah. I, what I like about it is uh, it, it reminds me of uh an analogy that I often use, which is like a, a child runs onto a beach and they want to make a sandcastle, right? Are they attached to making the sandcastle, right? Would they're like, is it life or death for them to build a sandcastle or is it just a form of play, right? It's like, oh, I'll build a sandcastle or I'll yeah. dig a moat or I'll jump in the waves. We can be detached from the outcome and still go do and create beautiful things, but we don't have to be in this place of life or death, fight or flight. And I think your gaming analogy really captures that. And I've, I've said that to clients before, especially in like the realm of dating is where, you know, they they might be having an experience of continued quote failure, trying to find somebody wanting to have a authentic connection with somebody that is devoted to them. And along the way, it's so exhausting. And 
what makes it exhausting is they're just playing the wrong game. They're not playing it from the most useful context of like, how can I see this as practice? And how can I maybe change the, the goals in a way that allow me to feel that I can be more detached in the process of moving forward and taking steps and uh, not turn against myself in the process. I think that's, I think that's a really big piece, right? Not turning against myself on the journey. If I'm playing a game that has a context that has me continually turn against myself, I'm playing the wrong game. It's time to change that. And that doesn't mean you change exactly. the outcome that's, or change the pursuit, right? It just means that you change the way that you're playing it. Yeah. And honestly, like, I think that I, cause I love that we're talking about this. Cause I think that th- take the game analogy. Now, like I could be really attached to the winning part of the mm-hmm. game. And then I get really frustrated as I'm playing the game. If I'm not winning, if I haven't won, if I haven't reached that win state. Okay. And that's one way of looking at playing a game is that like playing a game is about figuring out how to win. Well, no, see, cause even when I say it that way, it's about figuring out how to win. You can kind of, I'm almost pulling back the curtain a little bit. Like mm-hmm. y- some people might say that playing a game is about winning. That said, I think one way to look at playing a game is about figuring out how to win, right? Like it's about mm-hmm. under, it's like, it's about the the process, not about the destination, right? Yeah. It's like, we don't, we don't read a book by picking up the book and turning to the last page and like understanding the conclusion, right? Like that's not what the point is. The reason we read a book is because it's really interesting to, for us to figure out what are the twists and turns and like what's happening. And I think in a lot of ways, that is what is going on in life. Like mm. don't be so excited and so attached to jumping to the conclusion because the conclusion actually doesn't contain the value of the story. The value of the story is in the, the, the arc, the narrative that you get to process through. So I think that's, that's one way of like kind of what you're talking about, this idea of like we can be pursuing a win state but don't confuse the win state with the game that we're playing, which is yeah. the actual pursuit part, the process. Yeah. 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 Great. And so, and I love that. And I'm, I'm noticing too. So we're, we've kind of talked a little bit about the problem, of like what happens when we're attached to an outcome and we're moving into mm-hmm. a couple of like useful contexts of ways of maybe being in it differently to loosen up that attachment yeah, another thing that I often notice when people are attached to an outcome is that the oftentimes the game that they're playing, and I see this especially with some of the entrepreneurs that I've worked with, actually, who are like really driven. They might be like threes or eights on the Enneagrams, two sometimes as well. I mean, it, anyway, these are personality types that often are extroverted and goal-oriented. There can be something underneath where they're playing a game of trying to prove something to like mom or dad. They're attached to the outcome of making something happen because what they're secretly really attached to is trying to finally restore a sense of love or respect or something that they've been trying to get their entire lives. Yeah. Worthiness that they haven't been able to get. And that's what they're attached to. And so I think it can be really useful to change the, the kind of surface level game of how we're approaching something and if we can slow down and start to look deeper to what is the actual, the real game that I'm actually playing, which might be exposed by kind of understanding the, how will getting the thing that I want affect the people that I love in my life? How will it possibly impact those relationships? What will be different? Like exploring that, we might be able to start to see the hidden architecture of what that person's really up to and what they're really trying to prove and create for themselves as an internal state through the manipulation and control 
of something external. And so we can start to maybe uproot and heal that. And that can actually create a level of detachment as well. And I think that's yeah. one of the reasons to work I, with a coach and really explore this stuff. Absolutely. I, I love what you're talking about because I, and I just, I'm going to name it a different thing here, which is yeah. uh, or related back to another idea, which is core values work. What is the value that we're actually looking to experience in our world? Like maybe it's, it's connection. Maybe like we didn't, maybe we didn't, we had a relationship with our father where we, if we didn't achieve in a certain way and it didn't look like a certain thing that we didn't get to experience closeness or connection with our, our father. And so now we're like on a journey to prove that we're worthy of that closeness or connection. And so the essence isn't actually about the journey at all. It's about the experience of closeness and connection. Yeah. Yeah. Or like achievement is another one. I think that like, right. I think this one's like a tricky one. It's a core, a core value. That's so interesting. It's like for achievement to exist, it's important for us to kind of overcome some kind of an obstacle. And so there we have that, like what we're actually trying to experience is not the winning, but it's the, it's the, the experience of winning in the face of something that is standing in the way of our winning. And so then once we understand that the core value is what we're trying to experience, then we can really get to the business of living that core value rather than holding off, waiting, telling ourselves the story that we can't have that core value or that we, that we won't be fulfilled or I'll be happy when, or I'll be successful when, which is like a game that a lot of us keep ourselves like playing, you know, to, to keep us out of rapport with the reality that we actually want to live in. Right that I'll be happy when I'll be successful when that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So we can just step into connection right now. We can step into achievement right now into the mm-hmm. feeling of achievement. Even if we haven't gotten our goal, I can be feeling the achievement of being in pursuit of the goal. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's a really interesting game that we can play with ourselves. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a great uh, angle to solidify the, what we're talking about here with like, what is it that we're really after? What are we really after? What is it that we think that thing that we're going after will do for us? And I think that's a great question. It's one that I'll ask my clients again and again, too, is, you know, what will having that do for you? And they'll answer. And and what will having that do for you? And what will having that do for you? And and what kind of difference will that make? And then what? And then what? And that oftentimes will ladder into these kind of core states of like, God, I'll finally have peace. Right. I'll I'll finally be able to (laughs) set myself. Right. Or I'll, I'll finally feel worthy or I'll I'll feel free, right? I'll have freedom. And, you know, if we go about trying to access those core states, like you're saying, through setting up this like really complex game where we actually don't have control over 90% of what's actually happening, then we deny ourselves of actually experiencing these core states. And what might end up happening And I think this happens to a lot of rock stars and people that end up becoming really successful is quote unquote. Yeah. Right. Quote unquote. Right. They find out that getting that thing doesn't deliver them the core state that they were looking for. And then they crash even deeper into depression and sadness Mm -hmm. and hopelessness because now they don't have any hope that the thing they were trying to go after, because that's been accomplished now and it didn't deliver it. And so now they have a yep. complete loss of hope because they don't know what to do. So and then there's hollowness and hollowness. Yes. Right. And now it's like, yeah. okay, now, now I'm numb. It didn't, it didn't work because at least it, until you accomplish that thing, you have a hope that it's going to pretend. For you. <laughs> right. Yeah. You get to pretend. Yeah. Right. So I think, you know, yeah. I, the reason I'm, ma- I'm naming that because Ben, I mean, I, what you're speaking to is so damn important that this isn't like a, um, like a trick, like, oh, step into it and feel it now. Like, 
like this is actually like what I believe you're speaking to is probably one of the most important maneuvers that a human being can learn to make in their entire life is to step into those core states and have practice learning how to do that first. Right. And then go on the mission. Yeah, exactly. And like, and just to kind of say it a different way to go about talking about it a different way so that people can hear it in different ways. It's like, don't wait until you achieve your goal to feel successful. You don't have to do that. You don't have to wait until you get whatever outcome you're trying to produce in the world to feel whatever it is that you're trying to feel. You can just jump right to the feeling part for when I learned that I was like, like, I felt like the top of my head was going to pop off (laughs) when I realized that like, I don't actually have to wait until I achieve things to like feel successful, to feel happy. Like happiness doesn't, it's not like, you know, there's a a quote, you know, happiness isn't a destination. It's a method of travel. Mm. And it's like that. that that I love that. It's a method of travel. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, I love that, that you could say that same thing about all core values, right? That our core values, it's not that there's somewhere to get to, it's Mm. that they're a place to come from. You know what I mean? The same thing with like all goals. And I think that this is actually part of the trick to goals. And this is why, like, if, if you care about manifestation, you're really into like the power of visualization or any of that stuff. This is why I think it works is because when you start to show up as though you're already there, and this goes back to our very first podcast, by the way, almost a year ago, when you start to show up as though you're already there, you'll, what, what happens? It's so funny. It's so ironic is that you'll also like start to be the kind of person who naturally exists in the world and has those things that you're looking to create. So it's, it's like this kind of like weird, like reverse engineering kind of hack that you can do by just deciding to step into it. And meanwhile, you have the, the primary benefit, not even the secondary benefit, primary benefit of just actually really enjoying your life as you go about your day to day. I think this is really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And if this seems like uh, woo woo or pie in the sky or like a, like a trick, like, you know, you're just lying to yourself. How could you possibly feel accomplished until you do this thing? We can just say the opposite. Well, well, what is it that where you learn that you have to do this thing in order to experience something that's your birthright, right? Like where did you learn the distortion that you need to do all these things in order to experience peace, right? Or in order to experience worthiness, you needed to go off and, and do X, Y, Z for however many of many years. That's a distortion. More so than the idea that we can step into something that's really core to living a life that's worth living and, and experiencing it now. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, and honestly, you can do it right now. You can prove this to yourself right now because I can ask you to, let's just take an example of everybody listening to this right now, including the two of us. Let's think of a time when you felt really confident, mm. right? Just find a time in your life. It can be not an exact moment necessarily, but it can be like a time or an experience that you can remember feeling really confident, right? You just tap into that. You feel it right now as you're doing it, as you're finding that time in your history, you're doing it right now. You're experiencing confidence right now. We were all doing it as we found that time just now. So that's how we know that we don't have to wait for something to happen out there, that nothing changed in your environment as we just did that, right? Like, we, you didn't get anything extra. You didn't do anything extra. You just found a time inside yourself. You, you accessed a resource and then we get to, got to have an experience. So that's like, you can tell that this isn't a woo-woo thing when you do that, when you yeah. just practice that. And then we can do that with all of our core values. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You have the, your hands on the levers of the controls of your experience. You can change your experience. And so what is the experience that you want to have 
in pursuit of whatever it is you're wanting to create. Because you do have a choice over that. You may not have a choice about whether that thing happens on your timeline or in the way that you expect, but you do have a choice about the experience that you have of yourself and the experience you have of life on that journey. And I think that is priceless to learn those skills because then you're equipped and then you end up operating in life from a place where you are assuming that you are whole and complete. And so then when you start to move towards your goal, you're no longer in relationship with that goal from a place of trying to take something from it, right? I'm going to take validation from this goal. I'm going to take approval from this goal. I'm going to take achievement from this goal, right? You're no longer in the energy of taking. Now you can actually be in the energy of serving, the energy of giving, the energy of playing. Yeah, I love that so much. I, I especially love it. For me personally, that journey around relationship was such a big deal for me, that thing mm. that you just described around intimate relationship and interpersonal relationship, because there was so much of my life where I, I was living from this place of lack. And I really felt, you know, my experience, the narrative, the story that I was telling was just that I was lacking in connection and in, you know, romance and, you know, attractiveness and all these other things. Yes. And so I was out there like chasing, trying to prove to myself that I was worthy of those things in the world. And it like what it does is it sets up this dynamic where you're take, I think that's such a beautiful way of putting it. You're taking from every relationship that I was in and it's not a clean energy, right? It's not like I was necessarily doing anything overtly bad or, you know, you know, evil to anybody, but it's like, it's an energy that isn't giving. It's not full. It's not abundant. And, and the downside of it is there's no amount of relationship that I could find myself in that would fill me up because Mm -hmm. that wasn't like, I was trying, it was like, it was like, I was trying to play this game where I like, you know, like trying to fill my gas tank with water or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter how much you pump in there. It's not actually what's causing the feeling of emptiness. The feeling of emptiness is because I feel like I'm somehow incomplete or that there's something wrong with me and that I'll be happy when that's the really like double-edged sword of this, of this thing. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for opening up about that, man. I can relate to that. And just to like echo it in a way that is a little bit a little bit different for me it was in business in my 20s mm-hmm. i was so much trying to prove myself and i was in tech sales and it was always living in the context of what have you done lately and whatever you've done is expected yeah. and now you need to do more and the problem with that too is it you know that not only are we then trying to take and we're like this black hole sucking validation approval love that can never be filled but then we're also opening ourselves up to being manipulated by forces that can then hold those things at bay and keep you in a loop where you're constantly having to fight for those things, right? You can end up in a game Mm -hmm. where you stay in a job that you don't want to stay in because it's just holding approval and success just out of reach, right? It's like the carrot that's on the string that just keeps moving away from you. Again, no matter how much you fill yourself up with that, quote unquote, right. try to fill yourself up with that. It just keeps being empty. And so yes. it'll, it'll take as much as you give to it. Yep. Yeah. But I experienced incredible burnout and I ended up getting sick and practically dying. Like in, in my late 20s, when I ended up getting a parasite in my lungs that moved from my gut up into my lungs. And I was just like, wow, like this is there is something it's not even the work. It's just again, it's it's not even that the work is intense or toxic. It's. I have a toxic relationship with my goals. I have a toxic relationship that's exactly. bleeding in my area that's creating burnout. And that has taken a number of years to untangle in myself. And I still have to watch it. 
you know, and, and to just notice, oh, wow, what am I trying to get right now by accomplishing this? Right. Am I, you know, and it's based on my ego. Oh, I'll look good if I do this. Or, you know, I'll be part of this yeah. group of people that I have created in my mind that are more successful than me. And it's like, slow down. Wow. Right. This is, <laughs> this is a bad game. Yeah. 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 Really common too. I'm sure people are nodding along as they're listening to this because this is something that I, I have felt. I hear my clients feel it all the time. It's just like one of the more common things. Honestly, again, it goes back to like the Buddha said, this is the source of all suffering. Every, every time we're feeling suffering, it's because we're, we're playing some version of this game with ourselves where we're like uh, trying to get something that we want or trying to run away from something that we don't want. And that's mm. all suffering. All right. So why don't we move into uh, some practical ways? How, how do people apply this stuff? I'd love to hear your thoughts and then I'll share some of mine. Yeah. So I think there's a little bit of, I think there's been some practicality that has been kind of baked into our conversation a bit around playing with context and slowing down and noticing what game you're playing. One mm. in particular that I find- Slowing is, down and asking yourself, what game are you playing right now? What game, what am I really trying yeah. to create in this situation? I think that's really useful. That's a very practical thing. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for underscoring that. Another one that I found that is incredibly important is actually rather than if I find myself beginning to myopically look forward at, at a goal that I have that I'm wanting to create and I start to like white knuckle it and, and grip onto it too tight, what it's often a sign of is that I'm actually not bringing gratitude into the present. And so if I actually start to really focus on the things that I have and the progress that I'm making and the achievements that I've already got, I, I actually then use my mind to create and summon the resources of feeling worthy, the resources of feeling accomplished, the resources of feeling like I'm on the right path, right? There's no place that I should be at right now because I'm celebrating my life in a way, which then creates wholeness and completeness that I can tap into and then move forward. It has me relax a little bit more, just have more looseness, let go of tension in my body in pursuit of that thing. I love that. I'm so glad you brought up gratitude because I think a lot of people think of gratitude. They're like, they like know that it's useful and they've like heard that there are studies that show that gratitude's useful. And I think the common understanding of gratitude is that it's about like feeling good in the world. But mm. what you're saying and what I really want to like hold space for is that gratitude is creative. One of the best reasons, one of the, the most useful reasons to have a gratitude practice is because of the way that as you practice gratitude, you expand the things in your awareness, in the evidence that you're finding in your reality, in alignment with the things that you're expressing gratitude for, the things that you're thinking gratitude for. You don't even have to say it out loud. You just have to like, oh man, isn't it so nice that like such and such is happening or like whatever, that I have that skill or that I, you know, like, and any, and, and if you pair this with the, the tact, the tactic that we mentioned before, like pausing and asking yourself what game that you want to play. Like, what game am I here to play? What am I trying to create, right? And then you get an answer back from that. And now ask yourself, all right, cool. Where are some opportunities for me to be grateful for that, for that very thing that I'm trying to create right now? So if I want connection in my life and that's the game that I'm trying to play, cool. How could, what, what are some opportunities for me to be grateful about my connection that I already have in the world? Oh, I love connecting ideas. I get to connect with Paige. I'm getting to connect with Clayton. Like, oh, isn't this a really cool life, right? And as I do that, that'll expand the experience of, of connection for me in this case. Yeah. Nice summary. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm loving how you're tying yeah. those things together in a, in a linear way. I've got another question mm -hmm. or two that I think are practical that we can throw in cool. the pot as well. Go for it. One of them is to ask the question, what could come online for me if I didn't get this thing that is even better than if I did? 
Mm. Oh, what, I love that. I love what that. outcome could might be created if I don't get this thing that's even better than if I did? So we start to oh, I love that. play with the idea that just because we want something doesn't mean that that's the pinnacle of what could actually happen to us. It could be that us not getting that thing actually leads to something even more amazing. Like for instance, in the dating realm, I've come across this so much with people that I've, uh, that I've worked with. And it's like, maybe they might be fighting really hard to make a relationship work, right? And that's the outcome. They're really wanting to make it work or they're really wanting to make some connection work with somebody. And they're myopically focused on that. And then they surrender and they move into a frequency that is one that is regenerative, one that is maybe filled with peace, one that is filled with self-love, and they don't get that thing that they wanted, right? It actually, it's like, whoa, whoa, Clayton, I thought that this will help me get the thing that I want. Well, sometimes it'll actually help you let go of the attachment to that thing that you thought was good for you. And the next thing you know, behind that person is another person that comes into your life that is way more on a wavelength. And if you would not have let go of that outcome, you would have never met that person. So love it. that's another way of exploring it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You can also play this game backwards and you can pair this with gratitude too. And you can go back in time and you can take a moment that you, something that didn't go well mm, for you in the past nice. that you would have said, oh, this is like a bad scenario or this is a bad outcome for me. And yeah. then trace that forward in your life and see like what happened after that happened yes. that wouldn't have been possible if that had been. And so you can do it that way, or you can play the other way too, which I really like this game too, where you take something in your life that you really love. Okay. And then you mm. ask yourself, well, how did that come to be in my life? And then you keep tracing that path backward. Mm. Okay. Until you find something that at the time you would have said, Oh, this is such a shitty outcome or this is so bad. Right. It's a really fun and, and pretty reliable. Actually, if you take something good in your life right now and you trace it backwards, you can probably find something that were, at the time you would have said, oh, this is like not, I mean, like my, my whole coaching career, my whole life that I'm in alignment with so much traces back to a head injury that I had that at the time I would have told you was the worst thing that ever happened. I was suicidal and all this stuff. Right. So it's like playing that game is really useful so that then you can also play it forward. Like what, what happens? I mean, you know, cause I love what you're saying too, because it's even better than reconciling yourself with worst case scenario or whatever, you know, this is even right. more powerful than that. This is like finding gratitude in advance for the worst case scenario. Right. Mm. I think that's so beautiful. I love it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. And that, okay. So, so beautiful. I, I love the looking backwards and looking forward. Those are awesome. And, uh, I'm just appreciating the systematic way you're thinking about this. And it, it sparks another idea, which is also just to ask yourself this question. Tapping into that five, you know what I mean? That's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, you're moving, in the, you're moving in the right direction. Yeah. So yeah. the other one is to begin to question the fantasy that you've created. So actually ask yourself the question, what fantasy am I creating that I think I'll be able to live when I get this thing? And then the other question is, is what is the nightmare that I'm creating if I don't get this thing. The beauty of that is just actually, it's almost like a, if I was to ask somebody, hey, what are you believing is true about this? Just the word believing begins to loosen things up a little bit because we realize that mm. it's a belief. It's not the truth. We're, we're making up a story. Oh, so that. what is the fantasy you're making up that when you get this thing, it will do for you. What is the fantasy? Get in touch with the fact that it's simply a fantasy because you don't have a crystal ball. You don't know what the hell is going to happen. 
And then the other thing is, look at the nightmare. If I don't get this thing, what is the nightmare that I'm creating? What will happen if I don't get it? So it goes in line with that exploring the worst case scenario, right? Because that's not, it's not even the worst case scenario. You don't know what the worst case scenario is because you, you haven't gone there. Oftentimes, I mean, human beings are terrible at predicting the future, right? We're terrible at predicting the future. So realize that you're just in relationship with stories and dreams, nightmares or things that you want. And we don't actually know what it will feel like when you get that. And you won't know what it feels like if you don't get it. Yep. And this takes us back to a very practical application of the thing that we're talking about with the Buddha in the very beginning, right? Like craving and aversion. Like what's the Mm -hmm. fantasy that you're craving? What's the nightmare that you're averse to in the future, right? Realize that here we are in the present. So I've got one more really practical thing that I want to, and then we'll wrap the breath. I think centering yourself in your breath is like one of the easiest, most accessible ways to do this kind of acceptance practice or this detachment practice. Mm -hmm. Just realizing that. And it's like a very simple, like metaphorical thing, right? Like we have a breath, but if you hold on to the breath too long, it's uncomfortable and you have to let it out in order to relieve that tension. And then if you wait too long without, with no breath, then it's uncomfortable and you have to inhale in order to relieve that discomfort, right? So here we are, the breath is such a beautiful metaphor for being in the present moment and that, that present moment oscillates back and forth between the tension of creation and the tension of destruction between mm-hmm. inhale and exhale. And I think really like just centering yourself in your breath is one of the most powerful, most profound ways to detach from outcomes by centering yourself in the present moment. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It seems like you're aligning with a natural law of biology. You're aligning with a natural law of life, which is that we can't really hold on to anything. We're not, if we hold on to our breath, we die. If we hold on to our food, we get sick and die right? If our heart heart holds on to the blood that it's pumping and that stops, like that also has, we die, we die, terrible impact. So yeah, it's just a process of continually getting in line with how we already work that keeps us alive, which is to just keep detaching, keep letting go. How we've already been our whole lives to just be here on the, on the present edge between the past and the future, between the, the present mm-hmm. edge, between creation and destruction, between the present on the present edge, between fantasy and nightmare, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just find yourself here in the present where actually everything is okay. Yeah. Love that. All right, brother. Thank you so much for this conversation. As always, really thank you for listening. And yeah, really generative. This is really useful stuff. I, I want to encourage you to, I, to, to take the, the final recordings advice and take a moment to think about what you heard today. Take one thing that you're going to carry with you into the future and, and practice. Try practicing it. See how it goes. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Live your freedom. Love your life. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.